good to see everybody here this morning. Thank you so much uh, for coming and worshiping the Lord this morning. I know probably some of you have not quite woken up yet. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, but I, I do want to ask you today to wake up your spirit this morning. Look at somebody beside you say, wake up your spirit. Wake up your spirit this morning and listen because the Lord has something incredible. He wants to speak to you today through the word. Uh, before I get started, how many of you watch documentaries? Man, I got 25 minutes. Man, they shorted me out. Documentaries. You watch documentaries ever? I, I saw one the other day about free diving. You know what free diving is? It's not like they don't charge me to go diving. That's not what free diving is. Free diving is where these guys go like scuba diving without the scuba gear. I mean, they train themselves to breathe so that they can go down and stay a long time underwater as they dive. And this documentary was showing this guy who was trying to prepare himself for breaking the record in free diving. And this depth was 331 feet. Now I want you to think about that. That is, that is the depth, or if you had to reverse it and call it the height, of two Statue of Liberties. Without scuba gear. And so it showed this guy, in, uh, he was on the boat, you know, and they're at this depth, and he's, and he's sitting there, and he's going... <gasps> I'm like, is he choking? What's going on with this guy? It's weird looking. And, and the guy's asking him, you know, well, what is he doing right now? He said that he is filling up his lungs and, and he was swallowing air. You know, some of y'all do that to burp. I, I mean, I, I, I know what you do. You know, you swallow that air. But he's swallowing this air is what he's doing. He keeps swallowing more. And all of a sudden you just see his chest just getting bigger and bigger and and. And just when you think, you're like, he can't hold any more in his chest. There's no way he can keep doing this. And he just kept taking more and more and more. And he said, why is he doing that? And this is what he said. He said, he's taking this moment to prepare and fill himself up on the inside because he is about to go into a deep, dark place where the pressure is extremely strong. The pressure is so strong that it will crush your lungs to the size of a tangerine. And he wants to fill up his lungs to the size of watermelons to be able to withstand that pressure and that air. And can I tell you something? Spiritually, that's no different than you coming to church on Sunday and Wednesday. Because when you're here, you're filling up the inside of you so that when you go out there and you get into the dark places where pressure is all around, you don't drown and get squished. Amen? So thank you for being here today. And when, when you're here, don't just be here like Sharice was saying. Don't just come and take a pew. Get filled up on the inside. Let the Lord speak to you. Let the Spirit of God move on you. And, and do that. So that's, that's not really what my message got to do with today, but I just thought that was a real interesting uh, story, and I wanted to share that with you. What I want to talk to you today, if you'll go with me to the book of Judges, which is in the Old Testament, we got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, and Ruth. 
So Judges is, I think, number seven or six or seven there. I didn't count exactly, but it's in the Old Testament. And I want you to go to chapter 14. What I want to do is give you just a quick overview, if I can. Man, I don't have much time. But give you a quick overview of Judges to let you know what it's about. And then we're going to talk about an individual. We're going to talk about his life. And then we're even going to break that down further into one story regarding this individual. So first I want to tell you about the book of Judges. The book of Judges is basically what it's titled. It is a book about judges. These judges are appointed. In fact, the book of Judges contains 12 individuals, stories about them, who became judges. They became rulers, overseers. And what was going on during this time is that there was something called the cycle of apostasy. Say that. The cycle of apostasy. Some of y'all didn't participate. We're going to have audience participation today. The cycle of apostasy. Ready? The cycle of apostasy. Okay, I'm going to explain to you what that is. Of course, we know a cycle is something that happens over and over again. Okay? So a cycle of apostasy. And what was happening is, is the children of Israel were going and serving other gods. And they were separating themselves from Jehovah God. And, and following these gods... Yeah, you guys learned this back in what's in the Bible. You know, yeah. They're repeating. They know exactly what's going to go on. I could, get, I could have one of them come up here and they could tell you what's going to happen because they learned that back in Kid City, right? Sticks, don't it? That's good stuff. So, so they kept following other gods and then the enemy would come and would attack them and rule over them. And then they would fall on their knees and say, Oh God, help us, save us from our enemies. And then God would send a judge, a ruler, who would come in And they would scatter the enemies away. And everybody would, oh, thank you, Jesus. You made our enemies go. Oh, not Jesus, because that was Old Testament. Thank you, God, because thank you, God, for setting us free. And, oh, we worship you, God. All all is great. Our enemies have fleed. And now we're going to go serve other gods. And they go serve other gods. And the enemies come. And there's this vicious cycle over and over and over again. Sounds like some church people today, don't it? Going serving other gods and they get in a bind and the devil's attacking them and they go, oh God save me. And God comes in and he saves them and rescues them and they worship and then all of a sudden they're back in the ditch again. One of these judges, and many of you have heard his name before, was named Samson. Samson. And what do we know Samson for? Strong, right? Strong guy. I dare put my arm up like that. But we're going to go to Judges chapter 14. If you're at Judges chapter 14, you say amen. Amen. Good. Judges chapter 14. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. Samson went down to Timnah. And at Timnah, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. And let me say this to you. During this time, Israel was under dominion of the Philistines. Okay, so let's keep reading. Then he came up and he told his father and his mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as a wife. But his father and his mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all of your people that you must go take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. 
And his father and his mother did not know that it was from the Lord. For he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. Then Samson went down with his father and his mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyard of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came toward him, roaring. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father or his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked to the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. Verse 8. After some days he returned to take her, and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees and the body of the lion and honey. He scraped it out into his hands and went on eating as he went. And he came to his father and mother and gave them some, and they ate, but he did not tell them that he had scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. His father went down to the woman, and Samson prepared a feast there, for so the young men used to do. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you to bless this word today. Father, help me to be able to speak it by your spirit. Help us today to open our spirits, God, and receive what your Holy Spirit wants to say. To change us, God. To see what you can do through us, Lord. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Samson is one of these judges. Here we see the catapult that is about to launch Samson into his ministry. Things we know about Samson at this time is he's young. And he lives his life based solely... On his passions. That's mostly what young people do anyway, right? They're out to do what they love, right? Some of us, 45-year-olds, are still trying to live out our passions. But through his passions, both good and bad, he will come into his purpose. See, he was born in a time where the Philistinian government had seized the Hebrews, he had seized their property, And he has the gall to choose a Philistinian woman. His passions have crossed the line, not only socially, but as it relates to status. It was foolish for a Hebrew boy to think that he could have a relationship with a Philistinian woman. And he tells his parents, I want that woman. And they're not real happy with him. But it says that it's the will of God. What? How could it be the God's will that this goes on? She's not even a part of the children of Israel. What I want you to know is, is I'm, I'm going to keep telling you the story, and then I'm going to share something. I, I'm not going to get ahead of myself here. You know, and they challenge him, you know, what's wrong with your women around here? What's wrong with that? And the problem was that Samson was focused more on his passions than he was on his purpose. On his way to Timnah. And as we follow his life, we will see that Samson will constantly have issues with crazy women. It got quiet in here. I ain't saying none of y'all crazy in here. I'm just saying what Samson had issues with. He had issues with some crazy women. He didn't pick just some beautiful, nice woman who 
they could get along together. He, he would choose some of the most horrible, craziest women. Attila the Hun, he was choosing some bad, bad ladies. And his problem wasn't lust. I want you to understand that. That wasn't his problem. His problem was he kept putting his trust in the wrong people. That was his problem. And eventually in the story, the Philistines come before Samson uh, when he's there in the area visiting this Philistinian woman in Timnah. And they have these 30 garments that are before them. And Samson says, hey, I want to put out a riddle. If you can guess this riddle within the next seven days, then you can have these garments. But if I, if you don't guess them, I get these garments. And after about day three, they can't figure out what the riddle is. They can't figure it out. So what do they do? They go to the Philistinian woman. They say, hey, come here. You know you're one of us. We want you to get Samson to tell you what that riddle is, the answer. So what does she do? Samson, sweetheart, sugar. What's the answer to your riddle? And Samson's like, huh. And he tells her. See, he got intimacy crossed up with trust in that issue. And what does she do? She goes and tells them. His foolish passion caused him to put trust in the wrong person. When they told him the answer, if you look at verse 18, this is what he says. If you would not have plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. Samson called that woman a heifer. Are you hearing me? So they send her, after this, they send her to shack up with his best friend. Because they want to make him mad. But remember, this is the will of God, isn't it? Remember? It's the will of God. So ultimately, he didn't get her. Let me tell you something about the will of God. The will of God isn't to make you feel good. Did you know that? The will of God isn't to make you happy. The will of God is to woo you into the purpose and the destiny that he has to put you in so he can accomplish through you what he wants to accomplish in you. Look at Jesus. It was the will of God that Jesus go into the wilderness for 40 days. And what did he do? He starved for 40 days fasting, and he had to face the devil to boot. And then he's in the garden saying, not my will, but your will be done. What did that will lead him to? The cross. To die on a cross. To be beaten. The will of God doesn't always feel good. It's not always what we would consider fair. It doesn't always mean that you think you're going to win. God will do whatever it takes to get you to the place he wants you to set you up. To get you prepared for his purpose. Let me ask you something. Can you see the will of God in the things that you didn't get in your life? 
Can you see the will of God in the people that you didn't get in your life? The ones you cried over getting? The ones you got depressed about not getting? Some of y'all need to say amen. That job that you didn't get that you wanted so bad that you prayed for? That house that didn't get approved? That door that got closed? Did you see the will of God in all that now? Oh, Garth Brooks used to sing a song back when I was a teenager. He said, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Y'all remember that song, some of y'all? Yeah, you know, because you danced on the sawdust floor with that one, didn't you? Y'all know. Sometimes I think God. Y'all did. You know you did. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. God didn't just position Samson physically. He positioned him emotionally. You got to understand, if we go back and we read that part where it talks about, it said that Samson, it said it was the will of God. Let me see if I can find it. It was in verse 4, his mother and father did not know that it was from the Lord. It was God's will. For he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. You've got to understand God's directing him and positioning him so that as the judge, as the one that God has set up as that man, so that he could get victory over the Philistines. The will of God is used through men and, and, and women. And, and I want to show you what Sharissa said today. She said, find me a man that God used that was perfect, that had it all together, that was super spiritual, that had all his ducks in a row. Samson was after his own passions. I got to hurry up. So this is what happens is God prepares him emotionally by getting him just ticked off. Gets him mad. So what does he do? He doesn't go to swing and fist. Oh no, he's creative. He goes and he catches 500 fox. And he takes them out to the crops. And he sets their tails on fire and sends them running through the crops. And what does the fox say? <laughs> hockey, hockey, hockey. That's where that song came from. You didn't know that, did you? I don't know. It's the stupidest song I ever heard in my life, actually. So the Philistines are now mad. And Samson goes up into the mountain. And here comes a thousand of them coming after him. We're going to kill you, Samson. Samson reaches down into the carcass of a donkey and grabs the jawbone and says, bring it on, Bubba. And he kills a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Oh, that's bad, isn't it? That's bad. And after that, he judges Israel for 20 years. But then eventually, he meets another crazy woman named Delilah. Ever heard of that name? Delilah. He again 
has got his head in her lap. Tell me your secret of your strength. Tell me the secret why you're so strong, Samson. <sighs> and he messes around and tells her some things. And he wakes up, Philistines are there. And they try to get him and know it didn't take his strength away. But see, he had made a Nazarite vow. And one of those vows was he was never able, supposed to be able to cut his hair. Supposed to just let it grow long. That's where his strength was. And so finally he tells her. And she, and while he's sleeping, she cuts his hair. And sure enough, they come and they get him. They capture him. And the first thing they do is they gouge his eyes out. Mm. Can you imagine? Oh, the pain in that. Horrible. And they want to be entertained, so Samson's life wraps up like this. They bring him into a coliseum. They put him between two pillars, and he's standing there. And there's 3,000 Philistines and Philistine leaders all around. And he says, God, give me the strength one more time. He puts his hands on the pillars, and he pushes the pillars of the Colosseum. And the Colosseum comes crumbling down, killing 3,000 Philistines and Samson. So within 20 years, he killed 4,000 Philistines. Well, God's will is so harsh. God accomplished what he wanted to accomplish through Samson. So what I want to do is quickly, because I'm, I'm running out of time, but this is, this is the good part. Now, if you haven't listened, now I want you to listen, because let's go back to that riddle. Remember that riddle we were talking about? The riddle was in relation to something that happened that we read about, about the lion. Y'all remember when we read about that lion that he had to face? Well, the riddle had to do with that. It was what was, what was sweet, strong, something like that. And he said the sweet of the honey and the strong of the lion, the strength of the lion. You can go back and you can read it. It continues on. I think Samson's story is contained within about four chapters right in there. So take some time to read about his life. But on his way to Timnah to see this Philistine woman to hook up, Y'all know what the hookup lingo means these days. Samson comes face to face with a lion. And both of them are at the apex, the height of their strength. Both of them are young and fierce and strong. And so now, and listen, now the challenge before him stirs up the power of God in him. I'm going to say that again because I want you to hear that. The challenge set before him stirs up the power of God in him. The lion roaring against him is the first time that Samson realizes what is in him. If not for the roaring lion, there would not have been a release of the power of God. Some of y'all need to quit praying that the lions stop roaring in your life. Because it's because of the roaring lions in your life, God is demonstrating his power through you to come out of you to defeat those lions. Amen? Now, some of y'all ain't listening this morning. You're not getting it yet. Hang with me. Come on. Because when a lion roars, you've got two choices. You can fight or you can run. You can live or you can die. Either you just lay dead and you let life run all over you or you get up and you fight 
Some of y'all been laying dead and letting the life run all over you. And God says today is your day to get up and fight. When the lion roars, the spirit of the Lord comes upon Samson. Can you picture it? Can you see Samson there? He's like, it's me and you, Bubba. And it says he fights him, listen, with nothing in his hands. With nothing in his hands. Many of you are out there in this world trying to find something to put in your hand to fight off the enemy. If I just had this amount of money, I could have victory. If I just had this spouse, I could have victory. If I had the same thing as brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, I could have victory. You're looking for something you can see tangible to bring you victory. But Zechariah 4, 6 says this. It says, it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Can I just get a grunt in here or something? God don't want you to fight with something in your hand. Because then when you would win, you would praise the item in your hand rather than the Spirit of God in your heart. If God gave you the lottery and said, oh God, I wish I could win the lottery. Some of y'all prayed that. Lord, just let, I don't have to win the big one, Lord. I don't have to win the billion dollar one. If you just give me that $30 million lottery, Lord, oh God, I would bless so many people. You know, you prayed that prayer or thought that thought. And here's what the Lord says. If I gave you all that money, you wouldn't have to have faith anymore. You wouldn't have to believe because what you had in your hand would be what you praised for getting your victory. Somebody, somebody, am I preaching or anything up here? I just want to know if I'm saying something up here that somebody's getting. And the enemy looks, you know, nothing in our hands. We look at that with our mentality and we say this. We say we're at a disadvantage to face lines if we've got nothing in our hand. But the enemy says this, and this is what we believe. The enemy looks at us. He goes, look at this fool coming against me. He don't got no claws. They got them little fingernails. He don't got no sharp teeth like I do. Look, he's standing on two legs. I'm standing on four powerful paws here. My jaws can bite through a a, a tree limb. What what has he got? Look at this standing before me. And we believe it. And that's why the enemy defeats us. Because he's a roaring lion. It doesn't say he's a biting lion. It says he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He got all bark and no bite. But we're scared. Of his roar. But the lion is wrong because the lion is looking at the outside. He doesn't see what's on the inside. See, the mystery is that Samson didn't look like a threat. 
If he would have looked like a threat, they would have never asked him where his strength lied. If he looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger, they wouldn't have had to say, where's your strength at? Because they would have said, well, you know where his strength's at. Look at them muscles. Look at them biceps he's got. You know, when you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger, people ain't got to ask, why are you, how are you so strong? But if you look like Pee Wee Herman and you're doing what Arnold Schwarzenegger did, they're going to say, how in the world is that guy doing that? Some of y'all been through some circumstances in life. And people look at you and go, how did you make it through that? How did you get through what you got through? It's because the Spirit of the Lord in you got you through that. That's how you got through that. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You got nothing in your hands. But the same power that conquered the grave lives in you. Amen? I want to shout this morning. It says, Samson ripped the lion into pieces. The King James Version says he rent him. Not rent him like I paid $200 a month for this lion. Not that kind of rent. He rent him. He ripped him to shreds with nothing in his hands. God will give you the victory with nothing in your hands. And that's how you will know it's God Because you will have nothing to praise but God for getting you through it. And the death of the lion is the beginning of Samson's ministry. Samson walks away wondering, what just happened? That was crazy. Did you? I don't know. There's a lion in front of me and then I'm grabbing him and something happened and I'm right and I walk. What in the world just happened? It doesn't make sense in my thinking that I would defeat a lion with nothing in my hands. But watch this. This is what's really cool. And I love this. And if you don't shout on this, then you're still asleep this morning. He walks away and he goes to Timnah to meet this woman. And then after some time, it says after a few days, he's returning and he nears the place where he had this battle, this fight, this struggle and there is the carcass of this lion. And as he's drawing close, he's hearing. And he's getting closer and he notices all these bees. These bees. See, he had to defeat the lion to give the bees a place to do their work. And when he gets up to that place where he struggled. He looks inside the carcass of this lion, this struggle, this thing that he fought, and he finds honey. Honey. If he had not had the fight, he could have not gotten the honey. Some of y'all ain't hearing me this morning. You're not getting what I'm saying yet, but it's going to hit you. And when it does, you're going to go, woo! Because some of you have been fighting. You've been fighting with all you got. You have fought all your life and you've struggled and you've struggled against it. Some of you have laid down and let life just tackle you. But some of you have been fighting. And you're winning those fights. And I want to tell you something, that honey is coming your way. 
that God will take those struggles. He will take those things that you have struggled against. And you're going to be on your journey and on your walk one day. And you're going to remember. And in, and like in Psalms 9, it says you're going to recount the blessings of the Lord in your life. And you're going to walk by that place and God goes, remember when I brought you through that circumstance? Remember when I brought you up and you thought you were going to be defeated? Look what's there now. I want to tell you there's honey there. And Samson dips his hand down into the carcass and raises it up and honey drips down his arm. And it says he just began to walk and eat. Nom, nom, nom. Eat it up. Yum, yum. He would have never found the honey in the carcass if he would not have went back to the place where the Spirit of the Lord saw him through the victory. For every fight God sees you through, the result will be honey. The Bible says he dipped his hand in there and he went on eating. But church, you won't get honey if you don't fight. Can I tell you that? You can't fight trying to fill your hand with things of the world. And can I tell you something? I am a living testimony to seeing what God can do with nothing in your hand. When my wife whoo, was laying on a deathbed from blood being around her shoulders down to her ankles, her blood pressure being 60 over 20, and when a doctor walks in and says there's nothing else we can do, that's nothing in your hand. But when the Spirit of the Lord rose up, I'm sorry, I feel good this morning. I don't know what to tell you. But when the Spirit of the Lord rose up, and my wife got to Houston, our blood pressure was 125 over 75, and the blood had stopped, and God said, when no man can do anything, I could show you what I can do. I love that woman. Every time I think about it, it touches my heart. But church, you won't get the honey if you don't fight. And you can't fight trying to fill your hand with things of this world. Some of y'all are trying to grasp at so many things. And God's saying, I don't want you to look at the things of the outside. I want you to focus on the Spirit of God that is in you. That's your answer. That's your victory. That's what you need to make it. That's what you need. And I will provide the honey. I will send the bees to your struggle to provide the honey. Samson didn't get to go into a carcass and make a bunch of honey. The bees made the honey. Some of you, every time some of you get into a fight, you let the lion eat you up. And you will never get the honey until you fight with nothing in your hands. Repentance will empty your hands and it will strengthen your heart for the fight. We're about to close. Some of you have won some fights, but you went on down the road and you got caught up in the wrong crowd and you wound up staying in the enemy's camp and you never went back to that place of gratefulness and thankfulness and saw that there was honey there. You need to come back home and get back in the fight. Bow your heads with me this morning.
I don't, I don't, I don't know. Maybe this message was just to encourage me this morning. I don't know, but hopefully this morning it did something for you to encourage you to tell you that your fight is not in vain. That the spirit of the Lord that is in you this morning is there for a reason and to quit looking in this world to find the things in your hand to give you victory. Some of you are tired. Some of you are tired of fighting. Don't you quit fighting. Don't you stop. But know what you're fighting against. Make sure you're not fighting against your, just your own self and hitting your own self upside the head. The Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and darkness. Church, the Spirit of God, if you're born again, the Spirit of God is in you. And He's given you the ability to fight. Quit laying down. Get up and fight for your life. It took me till I was 45 years old to realize that I wasn't going to get healthy until I fought. And I had to repent because food was the God of my belly. Repentance is not a bad thing. It is a freedom from the bonds of sin. It's going into a different direction saying, I'm going to go this way because this is where I'm free. How many of you this morning could say, the Holy Spirit has spoken to me through this message? Can you say that? Anybody raise their hand and say that this morning? All over the place this morning. All over the place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In just a minute, we're going to stand up. And we're going to give just a few minutes. We're not going to tarry long. Just a few minutes for you to respond to what the Holy Spirit has said. Some of you right now have already determined that you're not going to move. And I'm going to tell you something. You lose the fight that way. Today is your day. Today is your day to repent. Today is your day to fight. Today is your day to, to make a move. So when I stand, this is what I want you to do. If you raise your hand, you say the Holy Spirit. If you didn't raise your hand and, and, and you know the Holy Spirit spoke to you today, I want you to do this. I want you to come to this altar. I don't want you to sit here and go, God, I got a problem. I want you to say, God, I repent today. I give this to you. This is what it is. And I don't want it no more. And I leave it at this altar for you to take. And I, I don't just take it from me, Lord. I give it to you today. And I will get up. Give me the spirit of God in me to fight and to win and to get my honey. You ready? We're going to stand. One, two, three. Come on, stand up to your feet. Let's go. Altars are open. Come on. Don't you wait. Don't you stand there. Don't you act like nothing was spoken to you. It's your time to move. This is your victory today. This is your victory today.